0: today on the back to basketball podcast we have william richards william is a strength coach who runs the online platform fitness for back pain where he's helped thousands of people defeat their back pain he developed a system of back pain management through figuring out what worked for him and defeating his back pain william and i discuss daily movements and routines that can help solve your back pain developing a plan to defeat your back pain as well as confusion around what causes back pain what solutions are available remember to like rate subscribe and write a review on the podcast as well as follow us on social media and now here's my conversation with william richards from fitness for back pain all right today on the back to basketball podcast i have william richards from fitness for back pain william thanks for joining us
1: yeah man appreciate you having me on
0: absolutely man i was uh i was talking uh we were chatting offline real quick just about kind of how how we met and how i got a hold of you and i was saying how uh you know i have reached out to you i want to say i want to say it was probably like close to like four or five months ago now maybe longer when i was sitting down and kind of figure out how i was going to help people and you were so gracious you're like yeah, yeah absolutely man like Here's my email address. I didn't reach out to you for a super long time. I reached out to you recently and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but I would love to bring you on this podcast. And you said yes. And for that, I am grateful. And because, you know, fitness for back pain, anyone who knows my story knows that it's a back pain story. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast and you help people like the person I was every single day, which is awesome. So I would consider yourself to be an expert in the field, not only the fact that you're an expert in strength, but you're also an expert in that you went through your own back pain story. You had the debilitating chronic back pain. And so I was wondering if you can tell me about uh, your back pain, when did it start happening?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanna say it was 2000 and like, I can't remember, it was at least nine years ago. Um, I just, I was a freshman in college. And I was lifting, I went to uh, college for exercise science, exercising, all that stuff is a part of your daily routine, um, just you know, passively and obviously you're learning about it. And started having some just chronic pain, like I would, obviously I'd see a lot of it with like doing deadlifts and trying to do squats. And I had some specific key things that would trigger my stuff, but I had no idea what was going on. It was just, it became more and more constant. Right. Um, Fast forward a couple of years, um, I went to get an MRI done and I went to the, at that time where I was at in Virginia, saw the best back surgeon that had worked on a few of the athletes that I knew growing up and he did an MRI and he said, basically, you ruptured your L5S1 disc and you have degenerative discs above that site. Um, I had no idea what I had done. I didn't know. I just knew that for years I would have these, I would have massive flare ups. Like I'd do like a deadlift session. And I remember very specifically like being so like in a spasm, my low back being so jacked up that like, I couldn't even like anything leaving neutral was just like, everything was just super tight. Um, And that was kind of hit or miss with like sciatica issues and stuff like that. But that was like, there's big moments like that. Had the MRI. He was like, Pretty much what you're doing now. And dude, I was like, man, how old was I? I mean, I'm 34 now. So almost 10 years ago, almost eight or nine, 10 years ago. Um, and he was like, you're not going to be able to lift the way you lift. You're going to have to change a bunch of stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to obviously fix itself. So you have two options. You've got a fusion. You can, we're going to potentially, that's like worst case scenario mm-hmm. is have a fusion. Best case would be like a pain management schedule, like you're on some kind of pain management. Um, he said, but like all medical intervention type of scheduling goes, we're going to do PT first. Mm -hmm. And that's basically where I started the whole PT rigmarole of, you know, stretching hip flexors. And I I think I was doing some core strengthening stuff. I was doing traction Um, that led me to like sports chiropractors and getting adjusted. And they were really confused about my symptoms because like, like all back pain, it's just so different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if I knew then what I know now about like the mind body connection and how like your mind can create issues that really are physically are not there in a sense of like, you have to like massage or press on this to stop this. It's not necessarily that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just a rat race. It was just a a complete chasing after symptoms that were just very inconsistent. Um, And that led me to wanting to just getting to the point where I said no fusion, no MR or no, um, no pain management, as far as medication goes, PT didn't work. Chiropractors didn't work. And I ended up canceling my scheduled first steroid shot, which was supposed to lead me to fusions. If that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said, I'm done. Like I, I can't, this isn't working. I'm going to go out on my own. And unfortunately it still took me years after saying I'm not going to do this anymore. To actually get relief because there's a lot of learning but that's kind of where mm-hmm. where my education started and my pain i guess stopped or started to change not mm-hmm. stop but it started to change from there
0: yeah 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 you so many things you said man it's like I, I that's, it, no, it's, no yeah. but it's crazy but that's the story of like every person that's gone through it because i know people have who got the injection who got the surgery i know people who didn't and like you know you and i are sitting here like no we didn't do that we fixed ourselves we figured it out we're like okay we're not going to go down that route but there that story that first story of like you know the flare-ups and then it's like oh i gotta go get help and we always seem to stumble and 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 go find the the surgeon and and you know this now and and i know this now a lot of people don't know this is like a surgeon's job is to do surgery they're really yeah. good at that. They're really good at that, but they do not know how to assess other things. They say, "Well, are you a eligible candidate for this surgery or not?" Is essentially what they're good at, right? Mm-hmm. They're not there to tell you, like, they're not there to give you a full assessment or or, or a detailed assessment. They're there to assess your uh, 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 if you're a good candidate for surgery, essentially. So yeah. it's just so funny to hear. You know, you hear that story, and I've heard it from so many people. I've gone through it, and um, <clears> I know people actually went to the surgery and you know this already got the surgery and they felt a little better and then right back to the pain and then they get a second surgery and you know you kind of touched on it a little bit it's like it's not it's not often this you know that area is hurt so we just do some stuff there and the pain goes away because the things that causing the pain is a lot to do with a whole bunch of other things. So I'm curious you kind of ended the story on you know that's when my journey started so I guess, give us the short version or whatever version you want, to be honest with you, how did you end up beating it? And what was that journey kind of like to being like, wow, I'm good now. Like, what were the steps that you took to get from, okay, I'm not getting the injections, uh, but I'm still kind of in pain. And you said it took two years. What were those steps that the education and, uh, and all the things you did to get you to the point where you were like, okay, I'm good
1: now. Yeah. I know what to do. So- the short version of this is essentially I started with all the things that like the internet teaches you like stretching yoga routines for low back pain. These six core exercises will eliminate pain in seven days, read all the seven days to a better back books. Like I have read all those things, did all that stuff and none of it worked. And that was probably about a year two years of, of implementing stuff. I fell on. Um, Stuart McGill's work. And I'm not sure if you ever heard of who that is. So I yeah, fell on I actually his... got to interview him, oddly enough. I interviewed him. I know yeah, and I yeah, saw that, which is yeah. which is awesome. What that's, yeah. that's 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 really cool. So I fell on Stuart McGill's work and I just was I bought all of his stuff. Um, both yeah. as at that time I was becoming an educator because I wanted to teach what I was learning as well, that was working, what wasn't working, which started the, the whole brand that I have now. But I started with his stuff and I started with understanding my pain mechanisms, basically Mm -hmm. my triggers is what he kind of used. And so I I started to dial into the things that was causing me issues, the things that didn't cause me issues, I started writing down like triggers and certain things that I would discover just through movement or exercise, I started to play around with like his big three and and Mm -hmm. basically going full sold out Stuart McGill method. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to a point, though, when I Using his work and using everything that I was learning from his stuff, it got me to a point where my sensitivity, I was more aware of what caused me pain. Mm-hmm. And I was, there was this breaking point of like, I was unfortunately obsessing over the things that I knew would cause me pain. And then I would dial in and focus on only doing the things that wouldn't cause me pain. Uh-huh. So this gave me freedom. Like I started seeing relief. I started feeling better in my, and my sensitivity was reduced. But the narrative in my mind that I was telling myself was like, similar to what the doctor told me, like, flexion is bad. Like, you can't, you need mm-hmm. to stop, you know, bending over because if you're, if you bend over, like, that's not good spine hygiene and like mm-hmm. all these things. So, and a lot of that's more of my, my own mental problem. Like, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one who's obsessing over it. So I hit this breaking point where I had to switch from only focusing on mechanical and strength to incorporating the mental side and, and the desensitizing desensitization side of pain. And Mm -hmm. once I tapped into that, that's when everything kind of came together and it was just a matter of time. I had to work, I had to be, I had to be consistent with it and just trust the process really. And then Mm -hmm. that months, years later, um, I'm at where I'm at now where I'm completely chronic pain-free, um, Mm -hmm. and now teaching it full-time.
0: Yeah, that that that's awesome. Uh, So when, you know, you're chronic pain, pain free now, but do you have like, I mean, you're, pro- you're probably still very active and you work out. So this, this may, the answer may just be no as a, as a, because you're always doing stuff anyways. But the question goes is, do you have a morning routine or a routine thing that you do to, you know, keep your back, I guess, in a state that you want it to be in?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's changed dramatically from being really sensitive to not having that sensitivity. So I used to be one who would wake up and couldn't even roll over in bed in the middle of the night because it would catch. I get that catch Mm -hmm. or going from being on my side or however I was sleeping to getting up and out of bed. It was just super sensitive. And I felt like that L5S1 lumbar area was just so fragile that when I woke up, it was just, in mass amounts of pain. And it was, I just felt unstable. Mm-hmm. So there's a process of, of understanding that and trying to navigate that to doing what I do now. Like I know when I was in pain, I was doing, unfortunately, which is not what I suggest you doing a lot of stretching, a lot of doing things before I go to bed or trying to do things when I get out of bed, trying to have some kind of like movement routine where I'm trying mm-hmm. to move the area that's painful and I stopped doing all that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I honestly, I brought everything that I was doing and just stopped everything and started doing nothing other than understanding, okay, what's the best way of getting out of bed? I know just lifting straight up out of bed isn't the best thing. I should roll over to my side and push myself up. And that mm-hmm. became a habit. Like I started to not just kick my feet off and sit up straight. I would roll to my side and then use my arm to push myself up mm-hmm. and then get out of bed. Once I was out of bed, I made sure that the next hour to two hours didn't consist of me trying to clean the whole house, right. Mm -hmm. Or pick up a bunch of stuff or like be on the ground, trying to find, like I, I set my, my morning up to be upright, to, to, to be drinking water, to be eating and doing all my things that I do in the morning upright, giving myself time to just chill out, to wake up. Because I mean, ultimately in the, in the morning time, most people are super sensitive. And that's Mm -hmm. honestly the worst thing you can do is try to move a bunch Mm -hmm. to get to that point. So if i could sum it up it really went from being very complicated trying to stretch and do all these routines to just being very simple and just trying to keep myself away from the movements in the morning at first that mm-hmm. would trigger sensitivity mm-hmm. and, a lot, and it, it was a lot of things so i just had to, i really was had to set up my morning to support lack or less aggressive movement, basically like Mm -hmm. bending and all that stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Kind of, again, like you said, avoiding, uh, (laughs) triggering those, those pains and set you up for the entire day where you're just in pain now, um, you know, realizing that. And I think you said that kind of started when you started tracking what was causing pain, you start taking those things off the table and you desensitize the area. So now you're good, strong. You don't have any, any, uh, sensitive areas in the back. Do you do anything now? Do you have a morning routine, uh, or, your back that you do, or let, let's call it, you know, spine hygiene as Stuart McGill yeah. calls it or, um, or beyond that as well. Do you have a routine just generally you as William, like things that you do in the morning that you'd like to share?
1: As far as, as far as movement goes, I would say if I did anything extra, it would be like walking, right? like, like mm. that's, that's, I, I'm not a morning workout person. It's never, I've tried it. I, my body just doesn't feel good in the morning to, to start lifting weights and loading my body. So I've never been a morning workout person when I'm potentially dealing with some kind of sensitivity or at that time where I was trying to get moving and not just go from my, you know, my bedroom to getting dressed, to going to, to work or the office. Um, I try to do some kind of walking first thing in the morning um, from there It really doesn't consist of anything like I want to have like some kind of routine, but I don't have necessarily anything that would be like, oh, like, that's good. I'm gonna start doing that other than other than being conscious about the things that I knew would would cause me issues like, you know, instead of having my clothes on the ground, I had them up on my top of my dresser. Mm -hmm. So I'd be standing and putting my things on. Sometimes I would take a hot shower in the morning, right? That would really work with warming my body up because I did better when my core temperature was elevated, right? Mm-hmm. After after walking, after a hot shower, after moving around a little bit in the morning, that's when I when my muscles were being activated. That's when I felt the best. So mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is spend your mornings trying to protect. And I think mm-hmm. if that's where it gets hard with like, is there a specific morning routine? Because ultimately my time is spent away from trying to protect myself. Um, or getting into static positions. Like I don't wake up in the morning and sit down right away and do my reading. Like I do spend time reading. I do spend time just by myself and kind of getting my day started. But I try to do that for at least another hour before I'm, I'm actually up. So mm-hmm. I'm giving my, my body a chance to kind of uh, get rolling. But honestly, it's, there isn't anything magical. It's just a matter of me just trying to move and eliminate things that could potentially cause some issues for me.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that. I like the, it's, it's funny. Um, I, (laughs) I think I, I've, I don't know if I ever planned it, but I do that. So like when I wake up in the morning um, I stand a whole bunch and I started doing that a while ago as well. So it's interesting to hear you say that that's worked because it's worked for me as well. Just being, like you said, just being upright and standing and walking before you commit to like sitting down or a bunch of movement. And I think I heard read when I was interviewed somebody that said that, um, you know, probably actually from Stuart McGill, even your spine, like right in the morning. Um, is it like, it's really hydrated or something Mm -hmm. and you need gravity to kind of like give it time to settle and just kind of stack. Is that, is that the case?
1: Yeah. And I look at it from a muscular standpoint, like that is Mm -hmm. true. So like everything is kind of your, there's more, um, water in, in your in your disc between your your mm-hmm. vertebrae you have your little bit longer all those things are, are actually very true so any kind of sensitivity usually is is greater in the morning mm-hmm. um, which is why i say don't stretch don't don't try not to do any of that stuff but i look at it and, and the way i try to explain it to people is if you think at, about it from a sensitive tissue situation where first thing in the morning your body is both from a mental standpoint, you're already checking for pain. You're checking before you get out of bed. As soon as you wake up, am I sensitive? Am I in a bad position? Did I Mm -hmm. sleep wrong? How bad did I sleep? Today's gonna be a stressful day. Like you're already trying to download all this stuff that causes stress hormones to be released, which is Mm -hmm. a big factor when it comes to pain. You're already kind of hitting play on that routine of, I gotta roll over, I gotta get out of bed, it's gonna hurt, I gotta put my pants on, I gotta get all these things that cause pain. So what I try to think about is like, you're already keyed up naturally. If you're in mm-hmm. cr- chronic persistent pain, you're already keyed up. So the best thing you can do is give your body a chance to not be like, I told you so. Like mm-hmm. you get up and you go sit down on the couch and you pull your phone up or, or, or your phone or your favorite book or whatever you do first thing in the morning. It's you're, you're setting yourself up for an increase in sensitivity because ultimately, and I use the term. Your protection mechanism. I don't know if that's like a proven Mm. thing, but your protection mechanism, basically, your body wanting to preserve itself. It wants to conserve energy. It it wants to be super efficient. It wants to protect whatever bad area or sensitive area or surgery site or whatever. It wants to protect it. So it's naturally going to, in fear, it's going to kind of clamp Mm. down, and you're going to have more issues with sensitivity or tightness. So if you think first thing in the morning, okay, how can I? combat that there's lots of ways you can do that via what i was kind of explaining to you earlier about finding a routine that fits Mm. you that Mm. removes these elements of triggers but also making sense of okay like if i get up and go sit down i'm putting these tissues that are already sensitive already like kind of scared or wanting to protect that area in a position that's not going to be good for them you know being Mm. in flexion flexion isn't bad but right now if flexion is causing you sensitivity Mm. you know think of it from that standpoint of like Sitting is not going to kill you. But right now, since you are so sensitive, let's keep yeah. moving. Let's try to yeah. stand for most of the day.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. So so then, you know, you mentioned kind of like flexion and then some mobility and stuff. Now, what are your thoughts on increasing mobility um, and, and, and mobility training when it comes to the back specifically. So not looking at your hips, like I understand that obviously increased mobility in your hips and other joints is great, but there is some controversy from people, Stuart McKill, one of them, I've seen him on podcasts, kind of argue with people, but then, you know, changes tune about having, um, uh, increased ranges in the back. So strength and, and, and that, that range, what are your thoughts on, on that?
1: So I take it from a point of, It depends on the specific person that you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. There was a time where what was being preached was like, your back is tight. It's tense. We got to just open it up and kind of get blood flowing and get, you know, loosey goosey. And then, well, that doesn't make sense for people who are hypermobile, people who have Mm -hmm. hypermobile, hyper, who can do all kinds of different types of rotation stuff, but they have low back pain. So being that I've worked with both of those people who are very stiff in the low back, very protection oriented as well as the hypermobile who can do all kinds of stuff, but are Mm -hmm. in pain, you have to kind of change that perspective. So from jump street, I always suggest to think stability over mobility. That's, that's where I'll always start with somebody. Now, if I have a specific individual, it's a weekend warrior, it's some kind of athlete that needs more range of motion or needs more Mm -hmm. mobility in a certain area for Mm -hmm. that specific lift. I believe, that if doing the lift and addressing the mobility issues during that lift and, and using strength training and being in that, not not bad position, but being in that position where like, okay, this is where your mobility is breaking down. And if you had more range of motion, you would improve in this way. I tried to use the strength training aspect and doing the exercise and adjusting at that point to gain that extra length or that space that this person Mm -hmm. needs to Mm -hmm. successfully do it and not have like a compensation or have their low back kicking in and being their core Mm -hmm. instead of like their actual core being Mm -hmm. their core. So A, it depends on the person. B, most of the people that I work with, come from a stretching background. They're like, I do all these stretches, like I'm I'm, you know, my back's always tight. It feels like it's pulled like a rubber band. So, you know, I'm doing all these like rotational things and I'm like, that's great, but let's stop all that. Like mm-hmm. I I all, always remove stretching 90% of my clients. I'm like, okay, no more stretching. Stop stretching. Let's just see how your body responds to that. And then working on that stability first. Cause obviously stretching isn't working for you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to necessarily help the, but the, the lower back wants stability. It wants to protect mm-hmm. that area. Um, so, and then I kind of just address from there. Like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it really depends on the individual, but most times I always say stability over trying to get mobility out of the person, unless mm-hmm. the exercise needs it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's, um, I, I you know, using my example as, as to, to kind of, you know, strengthen your case, uh, is, you know, I was, I'm super tight. (laughs) I wasn't doing much of stretching, but I was really guarded, right? Like my whole lower back area, again, L you know, lumbar spine, L4, L5, S1 completely guarded. Like it's not, it's not moving. And so I was actually got to a state where I I got myself to that state. So I was no pain. I didn't really have pain anymore, but, but I wasn't able to now have mobility in certain issues. So I was, I was limited. Um, I was actually able to do quite a bit on you know, I play basketball, still able to do all that stuff, but I didn't have those increased ranges. Um, and if I did try to go into them, you know, there was issues. So more recently I started training, um, you know, with, uh, getting those ranges, uh, and starting to have those strength in those, in those ranges. And, you know, mm. do, I, I was doing something, um, a Jefferson curl, mm. no weight, no weight, just like doing the motion for the, probably the first three months, like there was n- completely unweighted just increasing that. And then like one day, all of a sudden my back just released. It was like, Oh, it's okay. You can go there now. It just yeah. completely re- it released it. like, And then I was able to get that, that bend. Whereas before it was like, it was like a lock in there. It just wouldn't, it just wouldn't let go. And it's like, you're talking about trying to like going into those ranges. And then now it's like, now I can do it with some light load. Like it's not something you do with, with heavy load, but you know, something light and I get like a nice stretch and I'm way more mobile than I yeah. was before, but I had to kind of work on the rigidity first before yeah. I could do that. And it's, to your point, it's totally, totally makes sense, right? Because if you have yeah. someone even like me, I'm not super flexible, but I'm like, hey, we're just going to start increasing your range and all this and, and your mobility. Well, if the back hasn't, doesn't have its stability yet, like you said, then you're not, if you're going into those is going to cause that pain cycle again, and then yeah, you're back absolutely. to square one, right? So yeah. man, totally, totally makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. Um, So You know, I actually, in doing some of the research when I was looking up, you know, you have all your stuff online for fitness for back pain, Instagram, YouTube, so you're out there. Uh, It's not hard to find out what your philosophies are, but, you know, if you really want to go and dig. So I'm curious about what your opinion, if you can share, you know, with our guests, what your opinion on what do medical experts get wrong about helping chronic back
1: pain sufferers? So how would you define a medical expert? Are we talking about a doctor?
0: I would say, um, okay, so for me, a medical expert is anyone that the general public would turn to that they see them having an expertise that can help them. So in, in the case of, I guess, back pain would obviously be a surgeon would be one even a pt right like you go to them hey help me out a chiropractor yeah. i'm sure maybe they all, maybe there's something that each of them get wrong and you want to comment on those i think in this case you you have all these people that come to you and they probably mm-hmm. tell you their story hey i went to go see you this i went to go see that so you probably have a pretty good sense maybe of kind of what people are telling you they're being told with regards mm-hmm. to how they're supposed to you know deal with their back so maybe you know, speak to that specifically kind of what yeah. people are telling you, or even more so just like big picture, you know, you know, because I know the back, con- the back is complicated. It's not just like, oh, I, I rolled my ankle or, oh, you yeah. tore your ACL. Those things. It's very clear. You tore your ACL. It's like, there's nothing else you can do except fix the ACL or strengthen everything around it. But the back seems to be this like mysterious thing to so many professionals when compared to other areas of the body right? It's, mm-hmm. it's mysterious. It's nonspecific. It's, I don't know what's causing the back pain. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've read all the books. You hear people even say stuff like, oh, it's, it's all in your head. Not yeah. like it's a little bit, it's completely in your head <laughs> and you're just making it up. Right. Yeah. So maybe just speak to some of those types of maybe even myths that come along
1: with uh, yeah. back pain. And this is a great question. Cause my dad is, is a PTA. And so I, I've been through the system. I've seen chiros, physios. I, I've, I've, talked and seen them all. And and this isn't a blanket statement to all of them, because Mm -hmm. I've also over the years now um, have seen and talked with and and gotten to know a lot of PTs, physios who are like, I'm like, dude, you're doing, you're doing it. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what's going to change the industry. And I think there's a lot of areas where I think it goes wrong. I think they're not set up to be successful with people with low back pain because most of them, that they're given like this sheet of symptoms and low back pain, blah blah blah. So they kind of go through some tests. They can you can do a lot of different tests, and it's it tends to focus around the mechanical side of pain, which mm-hmm. is important. How we move, how we strengthen our bodies, like all these different things are super important. But it focuses so much on the mechanical side, and it's not very in depth in a sense of the engagement of the individual because. Ultimately, you're the pained person has their own narrative, and every time they comes in contact with a PT, a physio, who's like, "Your hip flexors are tight, so you gotta stretch your hip flexors," or you just have arthritis, you have a ruptured disc, you have a herniation, you know, what I'm saying, there's not much we can do. So there's so many different things. Like one is the narrative that the that the individual, the professional, is telling the person. Are we building them up, saying, "Hey, herniations"? bulges, rupture, even ruptures. Yes, this is very scary. Yes, there's a potential chance that this is causing some kind of neuropathy or some kind of nerve issue that we can address through movement and strength. But building them up and building confidence in them and telling them that this is not like a death sentence, right? Yeah. I understand you have an MRI. I understand you've had three opinions on this MRI, but building their building a different narrative. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I think the next part is, kind of branching off of the whole like being too mechanical focused is there isn't enough understanding and education being given by these PTs physios not all of them but the ones that I've come in contact with and the most the majority of people who come to me that they're not touching on the whole desensitizing the pain situation like understanding the mind body connection that no pain is not just in your head but we have to understand that the signals that are allowing these pain signals to happen come from our head. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not that you guys got to get over it or like just meditate more. If we all just meditated more, we, we'd be good. That's not because I was told that. I was told that, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, th- there's not much else we can do. You have to just kind of like, you know, be more positive about stuff. It's, it's not just about that. So I think they're not focusing on that. And I, and I'm speaking this from, my own personal experience with working with these people, even again, working with Stuart McGill, like there was so much mechanical stuff focused on that it was great. And it got me to a certain point, but it wasn't until I started understanding that mind body connection and that stuff is deep, man. Like I couldn't imagine being a PT where you're given X amount of time or physio or doctor, just insert whoever you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. given a certain period of time to cover all the things that go into desensitizing your pain that are not mechanical. Sure. You can Mm -hmm. give them stretches that are going to feel good for a short period of time, but to, to, to actually change someone's way of thinking about their pain and change their, their movement habits and how their strength training, it's just, you can't do it in like four to six weeks. Like, and Mm -hmm. that's the medical model. So it's like, (laughs) they're almost all doomed. Like everyone's just those professional situations. Like they're almost at a disadvantage in helping their people. And that's just saying that they're because their education is all textbook. It's all symptoms, Mm -hmm. treat symptoms. That's Mm -hmm. what their, that's what their education is until you go off on your own and you learn about the other stuff. But I would say that, like that's the biggest disconnect with people who are professional Mm -hmm. chiros, physios, doctors, and someone like me, where I'm not a physio, I'm not a doctor, but I've tapped into this desensitizing the pain situation and, and that mind body connection. And I just dove head first into that information mm. and continuously, continuously try to educate myself, but also just encourage people to do it as well. And and that's where things are just, for me, it's just, it's, it happens very well for me and my clients. So
0: yeah, I know you, int- you you mentioned that. So why why do you think that you know, what, if I blow my knee out, there's people who are experts on that. You don't just go like, you can go to a, you know, PTA. Hey, I blew my knee out. But like, if you just got surgery, there's so many knee experts and they understand the knee and the rehab. If you want to talk about an athlete, for example, rehabbing, they understand it. Like, you know, it's not just about doing this. They understand the emotional side of it. They understand the mental aspect they, they know, but how come when it comes to the back, it's like, nah, you know what? I don't really know. You can go see this person who knows a little bit about the mechanic side, but they're not experts. But when it comes to things like the knee or, or the knee is a great example is like there's experts on knee rehab. They might be, have been physiotherapists, but then they're like, no, I'm a knee person. And you yeah. know, Oh, like go see them. If you tear, blow your knee out and M- MCL, but with back people, there's so few. Is that yeah. just because, you know, again, looking at your journey and I've interviewed other people, it's such a complicated issue. It's not like ABC. Like you said, it varies from person to person. Do you think that's Mm why?
1: I think you're correct. It's not an ABC type of thing. I think there are a lot of different. Trying to think of the best word, like algorithms that someone could follow Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. check off: Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And which which are very consistent across the board. Um, I think there there are definitely experts you know case in point Stuart McGill why there isn't more I think it kind of goes back off of what you said of you know about it being such a comp or perceived to the average person as an extremely complicated thing Mm -hmm. or even to a professional like there's so much research there's so much stuff that we can kind of say this is all kind of suggested to be good let's just do it and people kind of see mixed emotions about it when it Mm -hmm. comes to the mechanical side of all this stuff um To be honest with me, I think it's just people just are not – they don't understand or trying to find the best way I can explain this. I I just think it's just too deep. Knowing what I know now, what I've had to go through, and what I see my clients having to go through when it comes to putting their disbelief or their belief that their body is weak, that they're broken, that all these things – have happened to them therefore like they can't be fixed like there's just so much belief around injuries and pain Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's like the back is looked at as just like this super fragile thing like the knee isn't that big of a deal case in point I messed my shoulder. I I don't have bad shoulders but like two months ago I did something to my shoulder I don't know what it was it's not Mm -hmm. a rotator cuff thing it was a muscle thing And dude, I had pain in my shoulder. I couldn't bench press. I couldn't shoulder press. I couldn't do any kind of pressing above like five or 10 pounds. And it was super frustrating because I'm like, I'm doing all the things, but I kind of resorted back to like protecting like, oh, I'll just let it rest and like Mm -hmm. not do anything. And like a month went by and I was like, this thing is not getting better. I'm gonna have to go see somebody. Yeah. And I just grabbed 10 pounds and I'm like, I'm just going to press this and keep my pain at like four out of 10. I'm just going to press it. And just see, see what happens. And dude, it was like that week that I started pressing and, and loading myself and getting past this like fearful, scared situation and just doing something that mm. I started seeing recovery and, and started getting better. So mm. I don't know, man, like, because I, I, I know people who talk about the knee, the shoulder and the back as if it's like, hey, guys, like, we're all freaking out about this stuff. But it's not that big of a deal. It's mm-hmm. progressive load, like mm-hmm. taking time. Don't mm-hmm. rest that much. Get it moving. Build strength. And yeah. I see that in my space across the board. Why low back pain is this this crazy, scary thing? I don't know. Maybe it's because there's a bunch of discs that people are having their stuff popped out and jacked mm-hmm. up. And it's just mm-hmm. it, to the lame person, it's very scary. And I, yeah. I, I can connect with that because I was that person, even being in the fitness space, hearing that I had ruptured my disc, the mental yeah. side of like, feeling like, Oh, like, my back just shifted. Was that like, my bones rubbing? Dude, like, yeah. the narrative yeah. that I told myself during those years was insane. And I just I don't know if the knee is just not looked at as like a, like a scary thing. I, yeah, that's a great question. I, yeah. I don't think I answered that well. But no, no, but really you're, ta- you're talking
0: through it. Because it's like, I've I've been thinking about this forever. It's like, you know, like you said, you mentioned Stuart McGill, I would consider you're, you're in this field of like, I could send someone to you and you're like, I'm going to fix you. You know, it's going to be a process. We're going to, we're going to go through it. But like you said, with a knee, I can go to someone like, Hey, we're going to fix you. There's a process. We know what to do. And we bring you through the process, but with backs, it's like, there's so few. Cause I've, yeah. I've done the research. That's how I found yeah. you, man. Like I've <laughs> looked, it's not like you're not popping up everywhere. It's not like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, there's all these people. It's there's very yeah. few. So yeah. this is, it is interesting. Something I've thought about. So you had mentioned some of those, like connections between like, you know, the, the mind and the pain and all that. So with your clients, do you have any tactics, um, that you maybe learned when you were, you know, getting yourself out of the pain or things that you pass on to them or things you've learned that, that tackle into that aspect with, you know, the mental side of it, or you know, the, like you had mentioned the emotional, that thing where like, Oh, I'm broken. Like, do you, do you pass on any tips or anything that you share with your clients along those
1: lines? It's best to find out where they are, right? Mm. Once you can find out how they think, what story are they telling themselves? What mm. lies are they telling themselves? What have they been told by people? Obviously, the more information that I can gain or gather from them, the better because then it's like you can get really pinpointed. I can use myself as an example, someone who had a ruptured disk and get it fixed, blah, 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 blah. Like I had to start with education like educating myself on like why is my why do my erectors always feel like they're super tight right why do I feel like I have nerve issues down my legs sometimes and sometimes not why is my left QL super tight and my and my right one's fine but then like the next day they'll like switch like Mm. all this crazy like confusing information that I, I try to bring them back to just educating them on like where where does pain come from like what have you been told and then trying to bring truth to their situation okay you were told you have a herniated disc like what do you think about that like what is that what do you feel that you can or cannot do now and they'll tell you like oh you know my doctor said i i I, like i shouldn't bend over like i i can't i can't walk my dogs anymore because like i could get like jolted one way and then everything kind of fall apart so once you get an idea of where they're at, then you can kind of start educating them on the truth of that. Then you kind of see how they respond to it because some people like, and the way I do it is it's not, sometimes it's like like this where I'm communicating with them, but a lot of times they're going through specific courses of mine. That's like Mm -hmm. education that's been uploaded and they're just consuming, 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 consuming. And the way I've always taught people about the pain science or understanding pain better, is you have to be a consumer. Like you have to be willing to educate yourself on this. Mm -hmm. It is not a six stretches thing. It is not a, you know, you need these four exercises to to get to this point. When it comes to this stuff, the pain science, the understanding your pain situation, you have to learn because sometimes it'll click. I've got people who've been fused and all their life, family, friends, doctors, they're like, you're super fragile. Like you'll never be able to do that. You can't go hiking. You can't do this. You can't. So they've been like for years, they're just like scared to do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you start a- educating them on like, okay, like you're not broken. Like, have you been cleared to exercise? Yes. Is there any eminent danger that that you're in right now that could cause issues? Well, no, he said I have to be careful. So what are you telling yourself? Like, what's this narrative that you're now believing? Yeah. And you have to address that. And by, and the way you address that is once you're, you had the education side of it, then you have like the movement side of it. Like the proof is in the pudding side of it, where you take, you go from five pounds because you're so scared of blowing your shoulder out Mm -hmm. or your back out to 10 pounds. And you say, how do you feel? Dude, I feel great. Like it kind of hurt, but my pain was like at like a three out of 10, four out of 10. I'm like, that's great. Stay Mm -hmm. there for the next week. And then we'll go to 15 next week. And that's what you do. Like it's that progressive because sometimes it's like making them stronger over time and like progressively loading a damaged situation. And then it's just like, you're just loading, you're you're building confidence up inside of them Mm -hmm. that once they learn, they can walk for more than five minutes or they can sit or sitting is not going to kill them or it's okay to experience a four out of 10 pain when in the gym, as long as you can manage that and stay at that level, it's totally fine. And the research points to that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So it's like building up that confidence. And you, you mentioned like the story they tell themselves. And I think that's, that's really important because we all, you know, as humans, that's kind of how we operate on narrative. Right. And if you're telling yourself this story that you are fragile, even though you've been told, Hey, yeah, you can go work out, but you're like, no, but I'm like, I'm, I'm hurt. Like my back is like I'm injured and you're, and you're not willing to kind of take the step away from that and change your narrative, then it almost won't matter. So I'm curious, do you ever have clients who refuse to get out of that? Like there's that mental block has stopped them to the point of like, no matter what you tell them, no matter what information they have, they just, they're, they're not willing to take those next steps and they never get out of that cycle.
1: Absolutely. I think we all have, and I can't, I can't prove this and I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know the research on this, but the way my simple mind looks at it is we have our own specific pain cycle. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of emotion. It's a little bit of physical. It's a little bit of habitual posture, you know, lots of different things. We all have our own cycle that we get on. Your goal as a chronic back pain sufferer is to work on that cycle and to desensitize that cycle. Mm -hmm. Where I see people go wrong or the issues that I see or the lack of results that that happen is because people are expecting things to happen at a certain speed, at Mm -hmm. a certain time. It has taken me years uh, to get Mm -hmm. to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And some of that's my fault. Some of it's just ignorance. Some of it's just doing the wrong thing for too long. Like you could blame it on a lot of different things then I have people who like, dude, like it's been, it's been six months or it's been three months. And like, I'm seeing dramatic differences in the way I feel. Like I just did my first mountain bike, you know, 10 mile mountain bike trip. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow. Like I Mm -hmm. wish I had it that quick. I didn't have it that quick. So to answer directly. Yeah. I I think there are definitely people who come in and they're just like, like, I get it. But like, my, my my pain. I, every time I sit or every time I do this, like my back hurts. I just don't understand how like my stress is like dealing with that. Like I mm. I operate well on four hours of sleep. I don't understand <laughs> why sh- I should be getting seven. You know, like yeah, 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 they'll yeah. argue that, and I think it just comes to terms where it's like, look, like this is what because this is what the research says. This is what results and and experience. Other than myself, people who are way more important, way more smarter than me, mm-hmm. have have are, are teaching the back pain individual. Um, and if you can't, if, or if you're not willing to trust that process and be committed to a lifetime of change in a sense of like taking what you're doing now, changing it, and then sticking to that change, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing because people, and I don't know what it is, like they want to like come in, get a few stretches watch a few videos <laughs> and then be able to get the relief and then go back to what they were doing before. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For and I'm sure.
1: like, cause you have people who are blended like that, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. who don't want to take the time, like a lot do getting someone who's an avid lifter. This is, this is the hardest thing for me getting someone who's an avid lifter, who enjoys heavy weights mm-hmm. to stop that and dial everything back. Hundreds of pounds. <laughs> And then say, this is where you're going to be at for the next week or two. And we're going to see where you're at in two weeks. Like, it's like, bro, dude, like, I'll get messages, man. I just couldn't go that light. Like we were just going heavy that day. And man, I messed something up again because I went too heavy. So like, <laughs> I think, and, and this is coming from a, a weight loss background. I was a mm-hmm. regular old personal trainer for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. People are motivated and, and they see results. They don't see results. They get stuck in their ways, and I think it comes down to being a good coach mm-hmm. to navigate them through that. And you're not going to help everybody, yeah. But most of the time, if you have enough time with them, people will change. It's just the amount of change will vary.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned people that like that are just unwilling to change altogether. And uh, it always, it comes back to you know what the message I try to preach just with anything, and and it's like you know if people. First of all, people have to want to change, right? They have to really Definitely. want it because if mm-hmm. they don't, it just won't matter. And you see this with your, your clients all the time. They've maybe gone down every road already and they like, look, either I'm going to accept this or I'm not. And they've come to you because they don't want to accept it. They're like, I'm yeah. not going to accept this anymore. Like I need to change and I'm ready. But then there's probably a few people who find you. They're not ready yet. They're just mm-hmm. not ready you know, and, yeah. and there's nothing you can do. Like you said, there's nothing you can do. And it always comes back to that personal, like, you know, personal empowerment. Like you need to be the one who wants to change. And those are probably the, some of the people you see some of the, the craziest change. Cause they've just, not only are they consuming the information, they're following your steps, but they believe in it and they want it. And they're just willing to kind of do all those little things. Like you said, Hey, like I started getting out of bed differently. Like that's, that's you're dedicated. If you're, you're so focused on saying like, oh, well, I want to have to change the way I get out of bed. Yeah. Like the, the method to do that. So I'm actually curious, like, so there are a lot of people out there who are struggling because they don't necessarily have the plan, like a plan to kind of start going like you formalize the plan for yourself. Okay, I'm going to start with getting out of bed differently. So are there certain things <clears> that you would advise people who are suffering and they, and they want to get out of the pain cycle? What would be some steps that you could give for them to like set up a plan for themselves?
1: Yeah. So I, I break it down into three things, movement, strength, and mindset. Like those is three pillars of what I try to teach. And you can pa- unpack these things with steps and, and different things. But if you stopped stretching, stopped like all the stuff, all the rehab exercises that you're still doing four years later that you've been released by, to rehab, but you're afraid to do things like put all that stuff aside, get yourself in check and understand that you're not fragile. You're not broken. You're not a special flower. We're like, but you're just so, you're, you're so special. And like your situation is very special and you got to see somebody, you know, super smart, put all that aside and focus on three things. How do you move? What's the quality of your movement? Do you, are you conscious about how you move? Yes. You can talk about bracing and like, how hard should I brace when I bend over or should I brace at all? Like, should I kneel? Should I, you can go into those factors, but look at how you move. And oftentimes we, who are sensitive, who are, who are chronically sensitive, we tend to still do the movements that are causing pain. They're causing sensitivity, right? Just, mm-hmm. just the basic stuff and, 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 see how that feels, how you bend over, setting up your morning, morning routine in a sense of like, are you really active? Are you trying to train first thing in the morning, even with a sensitive low back, but focusing on just the movement side of it. Then it's the building strength. What is your strength training program look like now? I, I use a term smart strength. That is kind of what I've built like my brand around is smarter strength training. So are you lifting for ego? Do you love or you feel like squats have to be in all of your programming? Do you feel like the traditional barbell deadlifts has to be in your programming from a strength? If you exercise and I'm speaking to the person who works out, if you work out and you exercise, what does your strength training program look like? Are you lifting for vanity? Are you lifting because you just love deadlifting 400 pounds? If so, look at your look at how you're building strength. Can you remove things or change things to give yourself the chance to build strength smarter? Where in a sense of you're not just going in and just causing yourself to jump back on this pain cycle, mm-hmm. but how are you strength training? You know, mm-hmm. can you dial everything back and change your exercise choice? to eliminate some of the constant flare-ups that you're having every time you have leg day, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how many people will stick to the same pattern of exercises or whatever despite their pain. It's just because it's all they know. Like, they just love deadlifts. They love the the leg press machine. They love Mm -hmm. barbell squats or or Smith machine squats. They love this stuff. So they don't give it up. So training strength smarter. And then your mindset is educate yourself on the pain science situation. Like there's lots of books like back in control by David Hanscom. There's um, Sarno has a book, the mind body connection and educate yourself on that topic. And I wish I could say like, there's like step one, like, you know, do this. I I know that the one thing that revolutionized my life, and it's actually a post that's going to be going live as of this week that we're shooting this podcast. Um, it's about expressive writing when it comes to the mind body connection, the, the mindset, the desensitizing aspect of low back pain, the, the number one thing that has changed my life with that side of those three pillars is expressive writing, not journaling. Like today I feel, but like there's a, there's a strategy of expressive writing that is just like eliminating every thought negative, positive, mad, sad, frustrated on a sheet of paper And then downloading it all on this sheet of paper and then ripping it up and then throwing it away. Like there's a process to that Mm -hmm. that is massively, massively effective when it comes to addressing that mind-body connection element. Um, So those are the three things. Those are the only three things that I would focus on. Like, I, I again, I wouldn't stretch it away. I wouldn't try to figure out what the specific thing is for my specific situation. First, improve your movements getting to start a strength training program if, if you're not doing it if you are and it's causing inflammation pain address can you do it better can you do it smarter and then don't don't knock the mind body connection like we can't do it anymore it, we we, we got to get over this mm-hmm. it's all in our head like it's it isn't all in your head but it is a massive massive key into getting past those those roadblocks those those points in your recovery where it's just not working anymore, nothing's happening, that element has to be added to it.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that, man. I, that's the, the expressive writing and, and the way you talk about the mind-body connection. I've never really heard it expressed that way. And, you know, so is, is the expressive writing something that you still do to this day? And I guess the question is, do you, do you find that that help can help you outside of like back pain, like just in life generally? Like I've never, I've actually never heard that technique before.
1: Yeah. So I believe it is. And, and <clears throat> the concept is essentially as humans, we intern, most of us internalize stuff, mm-hmm. anger, frustration, sadness, childhood I- issues, adult issues, marital issues, relationships, like we, we have all this stuff in our head. And all that stress, all that fear, all that anxiety and worry and all these things are either you have ways to de-stress yourself, whether it be exercise or venting somehow or boxing or whatever you do, and others don't. There's a massive connection to internalizing all these things, for lack of better words, in our gut Mm -hmm. and not dealing with them, then dealing with them and finding Mm -hmm. ways to get these things out. Because if we don't get them out, they're going to find their way out and they find their way out in a lot of different ways, how you speak Mm -hmm. to your loved ones, pain in your body, like stress Mm -hmm. hormones in your body, inflammation in your body. So I think it's like this whole thing on like gut health, right? I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not going down this whole gut health thing, but (laughs) there's people who are like gut health is like the new thing. Like we got to get it. And there's not a ton of research on gut health, But there's a lot of things that are leaning towards, okay, guys, there's something going on in the gut. And it's very Mm -hmm. important that we address this. Yes, there's not tons of research on it just right now, but it's important and you have to dive into that. And I think the expressive writing allows the individual to get all of this stuff they bottle up onto Mm -hmm. paper. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be legible. You don't have to, like, you're not going to go back and read it later. Like Mm -hmm. it could literally be your side of an argument that you had with your kid or your spouse or your boss. You're just like, you know, no judgment, no judgment, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. legible. You're just getting it all out of your mind. And something happens when you're downloading this stuff, this information to this sheet of paper, your your counselor that you're not paying anything for, Mm -hmm. like, to write it all down, get it off of your mind, off of your chest, then ripping it up and then throwing it away. Like in the video that I'm gonna come out with on this topic, there's it's it's three things. It's it's throw it up, rip it up, and then move on. Throw it up as in like just regurgitate every emotion that comes to your mind. And it could be positive, negative, you know, about one situation, a bunch of situations, whatever. Just get it on paper, rip it all up, throw it away, and then move on. And you're gonna have to and when I say move on, it's not like you're never gonna have to deal with it again. It's it's not about eliminating any feeling of sadness or pain or frustration, mm. but it's about managing it. And from this person, David Hanscom, he's the one who taught me this idea from his you know massive year, all the years of clinical experience that he has using this and implementing it into my life. I don't do it every day now, but it was something that I did all the time when I was really sensitive because when I was mm. very sensitive it affects every, every aspect of your life, man. Like Mm -hmm. it was, I couldn't even put my kid in her crib as Mm -hmm. a toddler. I had to like brace myself up against the crib so I wouldn't fall over. Like there's so many different minute details. to someone who deals with chronic back pain that only they will understand. And it's those things that you try to explain to a doctor. They're just like, well, you know, here's just medication. Like it just, it it gets into you and it makes you feel like you're just like, I'm hopeless. I have nowhere Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. And this, this strategy has been something that even to this day I go to, because I'm not an emotional person. I'm not all up in my feelings. I probably should be better at that, but I'm not. And some people don't feel comfortable going to see a counselor. So it's like, Mm -hmm. dude, like if you're not try this, like try this, getting this stuff out, out of your system, off of your mind, off of your chest to help you navigate and hopefully find space in your mind to start recovering.
0: I like that. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a try, man. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. See, this is, a, this is why I love these interviews, man. It's like just the nuggets that people have, and, and talking to people. It's just, it's just great. So I appreciate yeah. you so much, William. Like this is, uh, this has been super informative. I think we're gonna wrap it up right away. Um, I do have one last question. Yeah. Um, it might be hard to answer, uh, just because it's very specific. Uh, and I know you're gonna want to go all sorts of ways with it. So just try to. Answer, I mean, you've given so much information already, so it might have been something you already said. But yeah. these questions are hard for people because I know what the I know what the real answer would be. The real answer would be, well, it depends on the person. But we're yeah. gonna we're gonna pretend here. <clears throat> we're just gonna use our imagination. So question is, what is one message you can give to every person who is suffering from back pain? If if there if there was one message that you can give to every person right now in the world, like you can talk to all of them and put that that message into their head, what would it be?
1: To forget everything that you've ever been told about your body and how fragile you are, how broken you may be despite your surgeries, despite how many levels of fusions or what level of grade of scoliosis you have, find a way to forget about that stuff, put that stuff aside and challenge those fears, challenge the things that you have had to give up for so many years, the hikes, the kayaking, the walking, the chores, the whatever that you've given up Write the things down that have, that you've given up, and I want you to take one of those things and find one small nugget of ability going towards that specific thing that you've given up, and I want you to try it. I want you to do it, and I want you to do it gently, softly, take it careful, you know, all those things. But you have to, like, it's really based off just encouraging you to get out and do something. Like, don't let your situation keep you in the dark or at home until you can get it fixed because your decision to take put one foot in front of the other and move back towards those things you've given up is what's going to fix you period it's not stretching it's not anything like that it's it's you getting out and moving and challenging and retraining your way of thinking around that you are completely capable and i just want to encourage you to do that like that's that's it i love it man i love that is a that is a
0: beautiful message a beautiful beautiful message man william i super super grateful to have you on man i've i've learned so much uh just perspective wise and you've kind of made things very simple for people so i I appreciate this uh so much and i thank you uh for coming on and and talking to me yeah man
1: i appreciate you having me bud
0: all right okay you take care bye buddy all right thank you for listening to the back to basketball podcast If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes, subscribing, rating, and leaving a review for the podcast, as well as following us on social media. We thank you for your support and see you in the next episode.